The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike. And we're going to talk about the week that was in All Elite Wrestling. Uh, before we get into the action, as always, Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. And I just want to thank the great state of Kansas tonight for an awesome, awesome AEW Dynamite. It was fantastic. But on a personal note, I am 30 now and it feels weird, man. <laughs> like, Yeah, congratulations. Happy birthday. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that it's not like a bad weird, but like because I, I, I feel the same. But just a little different, you know, like like something happened to me. I don't know. It's it's a, it's been a weird state of mind for the last 36 hours. And it was kind of a low key birthday because we're doing that this weekend, which is why Joel will be in Boston to do some recording this weekend, mainly we birthday stuff, but also recording. So, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, it's it's uh yeah, I don't know. It's one of those milestone birthdays. I'm not sure how I quite feel about it yet. You got. You got like six more months though, so enjoy your enjoy your 20s. I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> What's up, bro? How you doing? <laughs> uh, terrible. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um I I came down with the flu, so um that was fun. Uh spent like two days in bed and, and felt absolutely awful. Uh, but we're uh we're we're back to live action and uh as a result of feeling generally miserable and having no energy, I have nothing to report. So, um, well, that's not entirely true. I did finally go back and watch uh, Ring of Honor Free Enterprise, which was a crossover show they did. It was mostly Ring of Honor, but it, it featured a crossover main event with Nick Aldis, the uh, NWA World's heavyweight champion. So it's a show I've been meaning to watch, and uh, I enjoyed going back and checking that out, seeing what Marty Skrull is up to. So. Yeah, when was that? When was that show? A couple weeks that ago? That was, yeah, February 8th, I believe. God, and, there's uh, so much wrestling. So much wrestling. Like, it, it's, it blows my mind. Um, like, I, I've been trying to watch Raw and SmackDown, you know, because it's WrestleMania season. And I've been keeping tabs on, say, like, Impact for whatever they got going on. And I keep remembering, oh, yeah, NWA is a thing. Ring of Honor is a thing. So, uh, good time to be a wrestling fan, but also just a, a lot to cover. Like, thank God we're only doing one company right now on the podcast. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Cause there's plenty to talk about. Uh, so why don't we jump right into our recap of this week's episode of dynamite originating from the Kansas city area. The show started off hot with the 30 minute iron man match between Kenny Omega and pack. The final result was two falls for Kenny Omega to one for Pack, and finished in a sudden death overtime period. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. After the match, there was an interview between Pack and uh, Tony Schiavone that was interrupted by Orange Cassidy of all people. And uh, then there was a match between Proud and Powerful and Sammy Guevara against the Jurassic Express, with Jurassic Express getting the pinfall. Jack Perry getting the pin on Sammy. And then we had best friends against the butcher and the blade. Next up was a fatal four way match. Oh, sorry. The best friends got the win in that match over the butcher and the blade. And uh, next up was a fatal four way match between Yuka Sakazaki, Hikaru Shida, Big Swole and Shanna with Hikaru. Damn, good job. <laughs> just, just saying all those names in, in, a smooth order like that. Good, good job. I'm <laughs> proud of you. I, I, uh, I fucked up typing it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Sheeta got the pinfall there. And uh, that was the last match. There was actually only those four matches on this episode. After that, there was a Dark Order promo, which I'm sure we'll touch on later. And a uh, sit down between Jim Ross and the participants in this weekend's tag team championship match, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and Adam Page. And finally was the weigh-in segment uh, for the John Moxley-Chris Jericho AEW Championship match at Revolution. So uh, that's the week that was 
let's jump right into it. Uh, stock up, stock down. Uh, I know a stock up for both of us this week is that opening Iron Man match between Kenny Omega and Pac. Wow. What a way to start off the show. Yo, man, it was incredible. It it had a real like NJPW vibe to it with the Bucks down uh, at ringside with Omega, the the pyro for Omega, the big match feel. And I thought I thought uh, Jr. made a really good line on commentary. Is Pac here to win or is he here to hurt? And I think both of the men left this match hurt because it was brutal. And I was a you know I kind of wanted an hour. Iron Man match, you know, I'm greedy like that, but for a 30 minute Iron Man match, it was so intense from start to finish. Uh, I thought they did a really good job building up the the tension in the last two minutes, whether or not Kenny was going to tap and then finally forcing the overtime. Uh, I just thought a really beautiful done match and just some crazy spots all around. But that's my brief summary. I'm sure we'll talk about specifics here, but just from the from that, what what's what's your general thoughts on what we saw tonight? Yeah, it definitely had that NJPW feel to it, and I agree completely. Time feels like it goes by so fast in the context of a match like this, especially because they worked that style where not a whole lot happened in the first maybe five six minutes of the match. A lot of testing, feeling each other out, some technical wrestling spots, some, you know, who's going to get the first upper hand, be able to score that first big offensive move. And I thought the back and forth was really well done. And once they got into the action, man, fast and furious, really, really brutal spots. And it definitely had that feel of a classic Kenny Omega match, the kind of thing that you would see in the G1 tournament or at a Wrestle Kingdom or Dominion or you know, any of those big shows in Japan. So um, I think the first spot that really set it off was uh, Pac went for a moonsault off the apron. Kenny caught him. It looked like it was going to be a counter. And then Pac countered into a DDT on the floor. And I don't know if it was intentional that Kenny missed the pad and hit the concrete, but he did. And man, right there, it was like, wow, this match is something else. This is, you know, going straight to this kind of move right off the top. And then it was just spot after spot after spot of Kenny basically getting the crap beat out of him. Yeah, it's it was amazing. And I I did. A, I, I'm proud of myself. I, I, I put timestamps on some of these uh, spots during the match. So, yeah. That that tornado DDT counter on the floor was right at 24 minutes. So once that first six minutes passed, there was a like crazy spot every few every few minutes. And the spot that blew my mind was that super brain buster a few minutes later. I've never I've never seen a brain buster from the top rope like that. And they were all the way up on the top ropes, like no feet on the second rope or anything like that. They came from the tippy top. I was surprised with that one that we didn't get a please don't die chant from the crowd. I mean, that looked devastating. It it was it was absurd. And I just thought it was going to be like just a nonchalant superplex, you know, and when he kind of Kenny ducked down and they they actually nailed the brain buster and it was insane. Uh, I, I was surprised that some of these spots only got two counts. And maybe that's just the style that this was, but I'm glad that it ended up only being a, a two to one finish. Cause I feel sometimes in, in these matches, you know, there can be like six to five, seven to five, you know, it's just like, are they really going to get pinned that much in that short period of time? So, uh, really, really suspenseful. And once that was a two cut, I'm like, okay, <laughs> what else, what else are we going to see in this match? Um, but yeah, as as we progress through this match, you know, I love that spot that Kenny does where he just like nopes you with his foot and then you go flying into the corner. Like it always yeah. looks like like when the right person does it, it just looks like Kenny has a robotic leg. <laughs> like Yeah, that kind of push kick was it was really, yeah. really cool. And Pac sold the hell out of it, sold the whiplash into the corner. Um, and that was uh at 18 minutes, and I don't even think we had a fall by then. Um, so we were almost halfway through this match without there being a, uh, a fall. And what I really liked after that, 
that that kick spot is that Pac and Omega were just standing in the center of the ring, kind of trading blows. And Pac had to use his head to lift up Kenny's head so he can punch him just to sell like the exhaustion and the toll that this match was doing. I thought they both throughout the entire match did really good, really good job at kind of showing that, you know, showing the strain yeah. and the exhaustion. Um, and that's just, that's just, that's just Pac and Omega being top 10 in the world at what they do. Like it was perfect. Yeah. I mean, there was some crazy stuff The I really liked the escape from the one winged angel that Pac did. And then Kenny caught him and turned it into a bridging German. I mean, yeah. just really, really smooth wrestling and good counters. There were a lot of really wicked spots. Uh, that falcon arrow to the floor from the apron oh god i mean <laughs> really really and and then the shooting star from the top turnbuckle to the outside mm-hmm. through a table oh my gosh i mean they really pulled <laughs> out all the stops for this one even the chair shots just i don't know how pack made it sound so good without absolutely blasting penny and I know after the Cody incident, they've said, you know, no more unprotected chair shots to the head. And I 100% am in support of that. But, you know, there was something different about the way they were doing all of these spots. And it, it carried a certain weight and a certain gravity. So uh, I really enjoyed it. I thought this match was really well done. I didn't love the finish. I don't know how you feel about it. Um I don't really like when an Iron Man match goes to sudden death because then it kind of just feels like a normal match at that point. It's like this has been going on for so long, but I feel like that takes away from the stipulation. And, you know, I prefer like the extra time kind of uh, solution to that draw at the end of 30 minutes. If they had said, okay, this match is going to go on for 10 more minutes and then you know, whoever has the most falls at the end of that 10 minutes will be declared the winner. I would have been more up for that. And then also to have the match end so quickly after it went into sudden death. It was like, okay, so really sudden death was a way to get Kenny out of this submission he was stuck in because, you know, Pac did the logical thing that no one ever does, which is you escaped my submission hold. I'm going to put you right back into the submission hold. It's funny you mentioned the overtime thing. It felt like the old NFL overtime rules because it's like Kenny got the ball first and just beat the shit out of pack and won the match because it literally was sudden death, ripcord V trigger, kicked out of that, another knee to the face, one wing angel, nails it, game over. Like, like it, it really felt like Kenny opted to receive and just drove down the field with Tom Brady and won the game. Um, so yeah, I do agree with you on that, that the overtime felt a little rushed. Um, I, I, I would have been fine either way, whoever is winning, whoever won or lost, but I feel like you couldn't have Omega take the L right before a revolution like this. And one thing that did bother me too, so they sold the entire match about how brutal this was and how you know battered they both were. And Pac in his post-match interview was just, he looked fine. Like, like he was breathing heavy and he was sweaty, but like, you know, I feel like that's, there's probably a better way to set up that match with Darby at revolution than just a, a quick interview where Pax just looks like he went for a long run. So I think, you I don't know orange what, Cassidy. So what, who, who did I say? He said Darby. I'm sorry. Orange Cassidy. I always screw up one name. Yeah, both short white guys. It's fine, <laughs> but no, but like, I just felt like if, if you really want to show how brutal this match was, like, Pack just standing there and doing an interview seems a weird way to do it. I mean, I think Kenny took the brunt of the punishment in the match, though. So, you know, he should be the one looking more beat up at the end, even though he won it. You know, Pack didn't take as much of a beating. So I, I think it was fine for me um, that he you know, was in that spot. And then, you know, he got angry. And as we've seen, won't like him when he's angry uh so i was okay with it and i i thought that his brief interaction with shivani there was good and then 
I was pretty thrilled to see Orange Cassidy come yes, out. Me too. And, <laughs> you know, I I'm shocked that we're actually getting this as a singles match. And I didn't really expect to see Orange Cassidy quote unquote actually try this soon. <laughs> I can't wait. But I'm excited to see it. You know, I've actually never seen Orange Cassidy wrestle for real. Um, I've only ever seen what he's done in AEW. So, you know, obviously he can go based on the spots that he does with his hands in his pockets. I mean, he's a remarkable talent. So I'm excited to see what he can actually do in the confines of a match. Yeah, as soon as he came out, I was like, oh, my God, the match I never thought I wanted that I now need. Like, I was so stoked. And I, I think I tweeted at Cody. I'm like, book the damn match. <laughs> and then when I saw the announcement later in the show, I literally got three texts on my phone saying, oh, my God, this is going to be great. So we talked about how kind of like the card was looking and they definitely added more over the last, you know, 24 hours. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty stoked for that, you know. I feel like if you're not going to have a deep story, just put some great workers in the ring and and let them show what they can do. So I have seen Orange Cassidy outside of AEW once. <laughs> I don't know if it was a serious match. He fought Gangrel at a GCW show in Chicago, um, but it was pretty fun. But, you know, Gangrel at this age, you know, it's, it was mostly a comedy match, but it was it was still a ton of fun. Uh, so. I mentioned Free Enterprise earlier. Gangrel made a. Uh, an appearance at a uh, free enterprise as well. He was in the battle Royal. So oh, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Really weird seeing him. Um, well, no, nothing else from this match. We, we we're, we're, we're done with maybe the best television match on American television. And I don't know, last five years. I think I say that I every know. week. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it was a good match. It was really, really good match. And it was a lot of fun, but I feel like it's not even necessarily the best match that we've had on dynamite so far. Um, you know, there have been some really, really strong showings. Um, I think about the, um, matches. I mean, I guess this was technically on dark, but the match between, uh, Kenny Omega and, uh, Joey Janela, which was just wild. Yep. Um, that was great. And, you know, it, it's a testament to the product that they've been putting out. This match was this good. And I have to think about, was this actually the best match that I've seen on Dynamite? Uh, and some of the tag team matches, especially some of those tag team main events, have just been yeah. sensational. So it's a it's a tough road to hoe to be that that best match that's been on AEW television. Question for you. Was this Kenny's best showing in AEW yes. so far? Okay. Yeah. Because I, I was thinking that the whole time, because like you mentioned earlier, this felt like NJPW Kenny from just the spots he was doing, the way he was selling and really just getting the time to work. You know, this was, this might've been one of the longest matches in AEW history, you know, longest one-on-one -on -one matches. So uh, if it was really cool to see, and it was really nice to see kind of Kenny, like just kind of remind everyone. Oh yeah. By the way, I haven't been at the top of the card, but I'm still freaking awesome. <laughs> well, there's gotta be a handful of, of viewers out there who didn't watch new Japan. They've only heard of Kenny Omega. They haven't seen, you know, the story that he told with Okada and all of the great matches that he had over in Japan. And if you're one of those viewers, you didn't really know what the hype was all about. And there hasn't really been that great showcase for Kenny thus far mm -hmm. where you would see, OK, I get why people think this guy is the greatest wrestler on the planet. I think this match gives you an idea of why people feel that way. So it really was a showcase. It was an opportunity to say, no, 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 I should be at the top of the mountain. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this match is taking place just before we resolve the feud between Chris Jericho and John Moxley that then opens up the top of the card. We know Cody's not going into the top of the card because he's yeah. banned from, you know, future championship matches. But it's wide open. It's there for the taking. And coming off of a huge singles win over Pack, Kenny Omega is a logical person to slot himself into that singles championship contention. It's also interesting. So in the last couple of days, there's, uh, you know, this thing, uh, this article about, you know, about Kenny, 
whether or not he feels like he's lived up to his potential so far in AEW and whether some fans thought he has been wasted. And it, to me, it's not a coincidence that he goes out and does this, you know, the week that he responds to those critics. So um, obviously Kenny is great and we all love him, but yeah, you know, if you look at his match, his big matches so far in AEW all out with um, pack was not like this, you know, it was, it was a different type of match. One match that, you know, I was definitely still loved it and it was still a ton of fun, but I was a little disappointed because I thought it would be more like this. Uh, his match at double or nothing last year against Jericho was, was a little slower than, than true Kenny. Cause I know Jericho is a 50 year old man. And then his match with Moxley at full gear was, you know, um, you know, full on hardcore. So lights out match. So definitely not the style that you're, you, if you watch in JPW that you would be used to seeing Kenny Omega do so. Uh, but yeah, really excited, really glad that we got to see this. Um, I, <laughs> I really don't have a ton of stock ups, uh, sorry, stock downs this week, but one I did have, I'm curious to hear what you think about this. So we talked last week about how MJF had one last thing in his pocket. How can he get Cody to strike him so this match doesn't happen at Revolution? And I thought the video package was amazing. I thought it was a really good video package. And obviously, AEW's production value is through the roof right now. Everything's looking great. But I just thought that we needed just one more thing. And if, it, it kind of felt weird to me that they looked at this story and was like, okay, we had our build up a week ago. Week ago, We built up to last week and we're good. We don't need to see him on TV at all. You know, I like how they did the, you know, sit down interview with the Bucks and Hangman Page and uh, Omega. I felt like they could have done something similar with that, you know, a split screen interview just to, I don't know, something. So it felt weird. And if I, I felt their presence, I, I noticed their absence uh, more than, you know, you normally would, because this is that one B match to the one a championship match. So it was weird that it wasn't on the, the go home show. Yeah. Cody more than anyone else feels like the protagonist of AEW. He's the white meat yeah. baby face that everybody is behind. And that's such a rarity in pro wrestling. And it always feels weird when he's not on an episode of Dynamite. But in this instance, it, it didn't feel like I, I wasn't waiting for it to happen. I wasn't waiting for a Cody MJF segment this week. I think because of how largely they figured into each of the two preceding weeks shows and how much there was to bite into and chew on with those segments. so. It's always weird when Cody's not featured, but in this instance, with regards to this specific feud, I don't know. It it, it was okay for me, and the this show went by so quickly. I don't know where they could have slotted it in, and like, what do you bump for that? Yeah, it, I I realized probably during the Fatal Four Way Women's Match, I'm like, oh wow, we're not going to get Cody and MJF on this show, and that you know it it was a weird feeling real realization, but. I wouldn't want to bump the women's match because I thought that was really good. And we've talked about how we need to let the more women in the division shine. And that's exactly what that match did. So you're not bumping that. Um, the best friends butchering the blade storyline kind of felt like, well, you're not going to be on the pay-per-view. So let's give you this spot to get this feud and this mini story that we've developed over the last few weeks. You know, let's close that out. So yeah, there really wasn't a spot for it. And I don't really know what I would actually want to bump from this week's show, but you know, I just felt like it was a missed opportunity and maybe there'd do something at revolution, you know, something dastardly, but um, to try and get like, you could say if you touch me before the bell rings, this match doesn't happen. Like there's always an opportunity for them to do something there. But you know, I just thought that that once again, it's just, that was my expectation that we were going to see super dastardly MJF this week. But um yeah, so that's that's really my only major um, stock down, and there's really not much to talk about it since they weren't on the show. There's there's nothing really to critique about the Cody MJF uh, storyline, but that's just something that I had on my my mind. So, but we can move on unless you have anything else to say about that. No, no, um, we can move on to my stock down this week, which was the closing segment of the show, the Ugh. the weigh in between John Moxley and Chris Jericho for their their title match coming up revolution this whole segment just felt weird like yeah. it, it just didn't fit it 
it didn't match the flavor of AEW and it was very stilted and there was no flow to it. It it also felt pointless. Uh, yeah. You know, why would you do a weigh in for a fight in which there are no weight restrictions? Like in boxing and MMA, it makes sense that they do a weigh in because that's when you find out Did this fighter make weight. And if they didn't make weight, then the fight you know can't happen or, you know, whatever. That's not the case here. And there's not even like an artifice that they've created where they do have to make some kind of weight restriction. It, mm-hmm. It's just purely for show. And I, I don't know, all of it felt out of place to me. I had no idea who the announcer was. He, he didn't do a great job. Um, didn't really capture the same level of bravado that Justin Roberts has as the ring announcer. And it's like, if you bring out a special ring announcer, they better have the goods. And when you don't sound as powerful as your regular ring announcer, that's a problem. So I I don't know. This whole segment just fell flat for me. And even once it broke down at the end and you saw all the different people come out and kind of push their storylines forward going into the pay-per-view, it all just felt like disjointed and chaotic and and not very well put together. Yeah, it it felt very very other wrestling show um style like this felt like something you would see in the final 20 minutes of a Raw or a SmackDown. And god, we we've talked before about sometimes Jericho where he just takes his damn time. Like I know you're trying to get heat, but the whole thing about him like Oh, I have to take off my bandana. Then I have to put down the belt. Then I have to take off my jacket. I'm like, dude, we know you're a chunky fuck. Get on the scale. Like, you know, it's and it's and not that was like actually one part of the segment I liked. Oh, I was Jericho like, just get on with it. Healing <laughs> off with his different items of apparel. I thought that was funny and entertaining. It was, you know, everything else about it that just felt weird. Like, who are all these random people out there? Yeah, and yeah. they had security, camera people. I wonder if they would like they saw the Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder pay-per-view fight on Saturday and thought, hey, maybe, maybe we should lean into this because that that uh event drew really well. It had a lot of uh hype over the weigh-ins and all the shit talking. So maybe they wanted to lean into that. But you know, it's not like the Matt Hardy storyline from WrestleMania 19. We had to cut weight to be a cruiserweight. Like yeah, like you said, the weight had nothing to do with this. And even JR said a contract signing before they went to commercial before like even JR was fucking confused. So it just yeah, yeah. it was because the segment a, didn't make any sense. It made no it just, sense. The, zero and, sense. And it, there was no reason to do it. And I, I don't know. I I feel like pro wrestling in general, more broadly than just AEW, does all this stuff to try to appear more like boxing and MMA, and is there really that much crossover in viewership i don't feel like there is like i've known a lot of pro wrestling fans over the course of my life and one of them was into mma none of them have been into boxing and I, i know there are some out there but it just i don't think it's that big of a slice of the pie plus if you're into both you're going to one place for one thing and one place for the other thing. Like it, it's not like chocolate and peanut butter. I don't want you to get boxing in my pro wrestling. Just like <laughs> you don't want to get wrestling in your boxing. Like it's it's not it's not a, a combination that works well. You know the, yeah. the whole uh, Mayweather Big Show angle was one of the worst things in WrestleMania history. It was just disagree. Yeah, that was terrible. We're not going to get on that here, but. And nothing boxing related has really worked since what Mike Tyson and the like Shawn Michaels, Steve Austin stuff like, and that was 25 years ago. So yeah, I, I don't understand it. And it's funny. So I have two roommates. My roommate, Michelle watches wrestling with me every now and then. And Renee has not really been exposed to wrestling yet. So she came downstairs when the weigh in was going on. She's like, 
why are they getting weighed in? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, is, is there multiple like weight classes? I'm like, no. And she's like, huh, that's weird. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's very weird. So like just to see this like raw, no like experience with the product being like, what the fuck are they doing? Uh, I've really made me laugh. And like, I, I was one of the things I wanted to talk about too. So yeah, it just, it just, it didn't kill the show because obviously we both agree this was a really good episode of dynamite. A lot of good stuff happens. And like, I felt up until that point, it was also, the show was really well paced. Like, like you said, the show went fast. The matches didn't feel they like overstayed their welcome. The segments backstage, the interviews, like they all flowed. And then it just like, someone slammed the brakes in the last 14 minutes of this show and just brought us this. So yeah. Um, very, very like disappointing. If, if you're going to do crossover stuff, you need a talent that is bigger than whatever industry you're crossing over with. Right. That's why Tyson worked. Tyson was bigger than boxing. Right. You can make the argument that Floyd Mayweather at the time they did that was bigger than boxing. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that, those segments did carry some gravity. Like I didn't like them. They weren't fun um, from my perspective and the match itself at mania was a disaster. You had someone there here. We had a ring announcer who was what old WCW ring announcer. Yeah. I can give you a little background. He did. He did WWF from 1974 to 1985, then worked with AWA and WCW. Uh, He then did some, I believe, he wrote a book about ECW. He worked with Ring of Honor for a little bit, but I had no idea who this guy was. And like, I saw a lot of people on Twitter because I was live tweeting the show again, like recognize who this guy was. But like, we consider ourselves pretty big wrestling fans and I had to Google this guy. So like, it's not like you're bringing M- Michael Buffer down to the ring that right. everyone who's ever watched any movie ever knows what his voice sounds like, you know? So and, and he was clearly struggling to like say who and where they were from. And like, you could see it on his face that he was trying to remember what the hell he was supposed to say. And it's like, just have Justin Roberts do it. He does a yeah. great job. And you want to get Justin Roberts over as the voice of ring announcing in AEW. So I don't know. This whole segment was just a complete miss for me. Yeah. Let's not waste any more time on it. Um, what yeah, else do you have good. as a stock up for this week? Well, actually, uh, I got your text message earlier today saying I should watch AEW Dark from last night because there was a pretty awesome match between Joey Janela, Kip Sabian with Penelope Ford. I was like, okay, I'll watch it. You know, I, I told Joel if he. If he found something on AEW Dark that he wanted me to watch, I would watch it for the show. Holy crap. <laughs> like, I'm glad you texted me because that match is right up there with that Iron Man match for me because that match was so much fun. Like, and I just, I think everyone came out looking good in that Absolutely. match. Like, I don't even care who got the W. Like, I feel like this match, this feud shouldn't be over. Like, I feel like this could keep going because this is one of the better developed non-top-of-the-card stories that we've seen AEW do. Like, yeah, you know, they're big names and we know them, but this this is a true, like, mid-card feud. And it was, <laughs> this match was awesome. Um, and, like, like, the first 20, 30 seconds of this match, low blow to Kip, Hurricane Rana from Ford, super kick from Kip. <laughs> then you have four just say just yeet off of the stage <laughs> like <laughs> yeah that was she, crazy that wasn't even and, cross body she like superman's like straight to him like i'm coming for you like and you know the camera angle on that was was fantastic if you if you didn't yeah. watch dark go back and check it out or at the very least go watch this match between kip sabian and joey janela and look out for this spot early in the match. Penelope Ford takes a running dive off the stage and hits Joey Janela in a crossbody. And she just looked like she was flying through the air, like she was on a cable. It was mm-hmm. incredible. And the camera work was fantastic. I mean, this was one of the best looking spots that we've seen in AEW. 
really, really impressive. And she had lots of spots throughout this match where she showcased her ability. And it, she moves so much better than so many of the women in the division. And like, I think it's great that she's getting to do stuff outside of the women's division and that like she doesn't have to be a part of that in order to be relevant and to be a part of the show. But at the same time, like I'm excited for when she actually gets to put her skills to use in the women's division and have some great matches with the likes of, you know, Chris Statlander and Britt Baker, because she can absolutely go. Oh, yeah. She God, man, she it felt like remember those like uh, Marvel versus Capcom games when you had like multiple people on your team. It was like Janela was by himself and he was just getting rocked by <laughs> Ford and Kip just switching places, doing combo moves. Like I thought it it was basically a handicap match for a while, you know, and I just really enjoyed how they did this. And yeah, uh, when I said no one came out looking bad, everyone came out looking great. Well, there's Kip and Janela at number two and 2A and 2B. And you had four who came out looking like a star. Like she did so many cool stuff. And like, and I love that Janela was like selling like crazy for her. Like he made all of her spots look amazing. And this is even like, I'm not even talking about the best part spot of the night when <laughs> Janela used her as a missile. <laughs> yeah. Hit, hit Kip and they go falling through the tables. Did, did, I'm surprised she didn't dislocate her arm. Cause she, that table did not break. She hit, hit her yeah. shoulder on like the edge and her arm, like just whipped over it and just God. Like, you know, that thing on Twitter, that's like, you know, tell a sad story in three words. Table didn't break. Yeah. Table didn't there's, break. There's, the there's your wrestling version. It, <laughs> it's a sad story in three words. Um, and, and, and actually technically both those tables did break, just not in the way they wanted them to. No, no. It like one of the legs broke on one of them. And yeah. It, oh man. And they showed that replay of, of her hitting the table and, and she kind of, she kind of hits it with her spine area on the edge of the table and oh. the table doesn't break or move. And then she falls to the floor from there and lands on top of, of Kip Sabian. Yeah. Just, really rough landing for her all the way around and and kip did his best to protect her as they were you know taking that fall together but yeah there's really not much you can do in that situation it's definitely worth a watch and it's it's matches like that that keep me coming back and tuning in every single week to AEW dark well we've had like this and omega janela are like probably if i had to say like the top 10 matches since double or nothing last year, those two probably make the cut. So, well, and you know. let's not forget the the intergender tag match. Oh yeah, yeah, with Kenny and Riho and Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian. I mean, that's three stellar matches that weren't featured on AEW's broadcast television products. So, it, it's definitely worth checking out if you have the time. Yeah, I, one of my favorite spots in the match was uh, <laughs> when he, he took the prosthetic leg and did a big running kick with the prosthetic leg. <laughs> and then yeah, I, don't know yeah. which, I don't know who said it, but sounds like Kip left without a leg to stand on. I'm like, <laughs> so stupid, so funny, like classic dumb wrestling commentary. Oh, um, that felt really yeah. ECW too, because it's not yeah. like that was planned. That was the, you know, fan has a prosthetic leg and it's like hey joey come here and joey janela walks over and he's like hit him with my leg it was wild like it, it, yeah. it felt so old school and i really really enjoyed it that spot was hilarious and you could tell like joey was a little bit apprehensive about <laughs> this guy's prosthetic <laughs> leg as a weapon but i mean just really really fun Definitely i bet if that was time and go watch it I bet if this was on TNT, he does not do that spot. Like if that was on cable television, I don't think he would have done it. I think that was the benefit of being on YouTube and having a little more leeway because we've seen more hardcore stuff on dark. So uh, one one other spot I really enjoyed. I, it's one of those things I've never really seen before, but because it was a false count anywhere match, 
the when Kip hit the German suplex with the bridge on the apron, like and like yeah, got and a bridge out of pin. it. Yeah, yeah, like that was so cool. And like, I'm tired of people saying, "Oh, it's the apron. It's the hardest part of the ring." Just do crazy shit on it because we know that by now. We know it's gonna hurt like hell when you do it. So, oh, and then oh god, there's so much from this match. Uh, when uh Janetta was sitting in the chair and Kip runs out and do the drop kick and Janetta moves out of the way and yeah. you just see the chair just collapse underneath Kip. There's no way that doesn't hurt like hell. Oh, and the <laughs> selling in this match was absolutely oh. ace. So yeah. good. <laughs> I I need to see them more on the the cards, you know, like uh cuz they they've put on they've been putting on some great not just wrestling the last few weeks but the storytelling and like usually I hate the spurned lover storyline in wrestling because it usually turns into oh she slept with me first and blah 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 but like this was this was just a fun storyline and I really hope it's not over yeah and I, I don't think it will be uh because these two have such great chemistry these three have such great yeah. chemistry and they keep pulling out fun matches with interesting spots good story developments i mean this all started with uh joey janela being interviewed by alex marvez and getting hit in the nuts by penelope ford thereby ending the interview weeks and weeks ago and we came from that all the way forward to this awesome falls count anywhere match on dark and I have to believe, I mean, there may be some interruptions, but they're going to come back to this well multiple times in the future. Uh, this could be one of those kind of weaving feuds that goes on for a really, really long time with other feuds popping up in between where Kip and Joey and Penelope have other things to do, but they keep coming back to the same familiar foe and I'm down for it. Yeah, like kind of like Kevin Steen and El Generico, you know, they spanned multiple promotions feuding together that's ko and Sami Zayn for people who don't know their other names but yes the uninitiated yeah get on our level guys um no yeah so anything else about that match because I, I could talk about that match for like another hour but i feel like i think we we've said what we needed to say yeah just go watch it just go watch. yeah please do i am advocating you to go watch aw dark which we know never freaking happens on this show so do it do it often and yeah you're welcome you're welcome so i think on that note we can move into our lightning rounds unless you have anything else you wanted to really focus no on. no let's let's uh let's go rapid fire so the, the first thing that i wanted to talk about was the dark order promo uh yes short and sweet and we got the word obsolete, obsolete. At the end. so uh Delete. more breadcrumbs more breadcrumbs <laughs> and i have to believe we are getting Matt Hardy, and I am so freaking excited. He's been one of my favorites for the longest time. Grew up on the Hardy Boys, love the Hardy Boys, and I love broken Matt Hardy so much. It's such a fun character, and I hope we get to see him on Saturday. Man, it's either Matt Hardy or this is the biggest troll job in the history of wrestling, because... They are leaning into it. Matt has been doing some crazy stuff. Like like we talked about last week, he's had the YouTube video where he's like hinting. He was saying, I'm exalted. And then he says, I'm exhausted. And then he had another video this week where he kind of did the dark order voice. Like they like modulated his voice. And then he went through all of his like bro. Like he was talking as regular Matt Hardy. Dark order voice came on and he transitioned to uh, broken Matt Hardy. And then. When you when you use the word obsolete, God, we all know what that is. And sometimes obvious is okay. Like we talked about this with some other stuff. Predictable is good if it works. And Matt Hardy as the exalted one would be a major hit. And now he's also fucking with people too, because he on Instagram, he was tweeting something and he's like, I don't know what's next. And then he capitalized the N, the X, and the T. So yeah. now there's a rumor that he's going to NXT. So just I, I love God because uh, we were at WrestleMania where the Hardy boys came back after they kind of finished that feud with the Bucks and we lost our minds and we were so excited they were back in WWE. But now I am so ready for them to get the hell out of WWE. 
like come to me join the dark orders yeah that was that was awesome can't wait now his contract technically expires at midnight on saturday so saturday into sunday so i was trying to figure out i was talking to my buddy i'm like is there any chance i can stretch this pay-per-view to past midnight so we can get (laughs) his debut on revolution like 1201 a.m boom matt hardy broken universe is here but you know, if we well, have I mean, to wait till Wednesday. Technically, he could debut under a mask. Plausible deniability. Yes, he could. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just make it, you know, long hair or whatever. But just the yeah, Jinko jeans. Be great. That's all we need. As long as he's wearing Jinko jeans, we know it's Matt. So did he wear the Jinko jeans when he was broken, when he was like with the, feuding with the Young Bucks? Was he wearing that or is he wearing something yeah. different? He was still with the fucking Jinko jeans? <laughs> still with the Jinko jeans. <laughs> all right. Whatever. Feel uh, like it's in the 90s all over again. So uh, something I wanted to talk about. Um, I, I, it's funny that you we were texting earlier today about Marco's stunt, and I was like, he does nothing for me. I'm kind of done with him. And then there were two things that really just kind of messed with me here. So one, I listened to Talk Is Jericho with Nyla Rose today. Uh, really good. If you if you haven't listened to it, you Joel and our listeners, you should check it out. Um, really, you know, you could tell Jericho was going out of his comfort zone, talking to Nyla Rose about um, her transition and what that's been like. But he was talking about like, I I've learned never to kind of discount wrestlers based off of anything because, you know, and he used Marco stunt as an example. He said this time last year, I was like, why are we hiring this kid? Like, why is he going to be a part of what we're doing? And he's like, well, now I can see this kid can fly around the ring. He can work really well. And the second thing, was I really enjoyed his work in that six man tag match against the inner circle tonight. Like I really enjoyed that. He took the brunt of the like double teams early on. He was the one trying to make the hot tag and they did that. Luchas- uh, Luchasaurus jungle boy and him did that like triple kick running into the corner. Like the sick, like yeah, that was such a cool move. And maybe I just, you know, I, I know they've had some matches on dark. Have they whipped that out before? They've done a lot of different like tag combo moves. And I think the reason why he's with those two is because they have such great chemistry and they clearly creatively feed off of one another. And Luchasaurus, of course, can throw him around and do all kinds of stuff using him as a weapon. And it just opens up a lot of opportunities. I've really enjoyed everything that I've seen from Marco's stunt with the other two members of Jurassic Express. And I feel like it elevates him to be with them. And it also gives them some variability. You know, one of the things that's great about the New Day is that you've got the three different combinations. You've got Biggie with either Xavier or Kofi, and then you've got Xavier and Kofi together. So that gives you three teams with three distinct flavors. You have the same potential with Jurassic Express. You can go giant and tiny. You can go, you know, small and smaller. Or you've got the the classic big guy, small guy tag team. So those three different formations make for three different flavors of match. And it just gives you a lot more renewability. And it allows you to keep feuds fresh uh, with that those different configurations. And Marco had a pretty, because you made me watch AW Dark this week. I watched the whole damn thing. He actually had a solid match with Jimmy Havoc uh, last week, or sorry, yesterday. I know it was last week, but eh. uh, which was a was a solid match too. So, you know, a, a thumbs up to Marco's stunt. I apologize. You know, Jer- Jericho taught me a life lesson today with Nyla Rose, and I'll give you a chance, but, you know, it is what it is. So you got, a, you got another, oh, on that note though, we should, if, if they really want to, introduce another title uh i think they could very easily whip up a six-man division tomorrow and it'd be awesome compelling stuff so would love to see that style down you know it's it's not the one-on-one with a bunch of interruptions every time there's a pinfall attempt until everybody's laid out at the end and then you finally get the pin like it really does feel like a three-on-three team match the way they book it and it's built off of that lucha style because that's where trios is a thing so i i think i'm always a proponent for the six-man 
belts. I think it was something that uh, Ring of Honor tried and they still have it, but they're not doing as great of a job with it as I hoped they would. Um, and I think AEW is poised to do a better job because they have talent that better understands how to book and execute those style of matches. So uh, yeah. I agree. I think that would be an interesting way to go. I think before anything else, though, we need a mid-card belt in the single yes. area. Yes, we do. Because so bad. <laughs> I know they've made tag team wrestling kind of the focal point of all elite wrestling, but some of these other characters need something to do once their, you know, storyline with so-and-so is done with, right? Like, I would love to see Darby Allen competing for a mid-card belt. He's not necessarily ready to hold the big one just yet, especially when that line is very long. Oh, yeah. So. he. <laughs> we have Kenny. We have Moxley. We have Penta. Um, God, that's three. There's just so many people. Like, like, for example, another thing I wanted to talk about in the lightning round tonight is Trent once again is a freaking stud. Give me Trent in a mid-card title feud just to elevate him even further. Like we went, he's been on almost every show in some capacity in the last five weeks. And once again, he just looked awesome. And I really enjoyed that best friend versus the butcher and the blade. It wasn't a long match, but we had some really fun spots and we've been seeing the best friends have been built up here over the next, you know, the last few weeks. So, you know, elevate them into maybe tag title consideration after this, you know, pay-per-view. But um, yeah, that secondary title, I think is what's missing right now. Because you said, you know, you said Darby, uh, Sammy Guevara could be a perfect mid-card heel holder, title holder right now. Um, obviously, Janela, Kip Sabian. Um, God, aren't allowing Cody to challenge for the main belt. Throw Cody down there and do like US Open Challenge and elevate some of the, the younger guys on the card like he's been doing anyway. So there's a lot you can do there. Um, by the way, this there was a lot to like on tonight's show. But Orange Cassidy and the bunny trading the glasses for the ears. Like, God, I, I retweeted someone like Orange Cassidy doesn't have to lift a finger and he's so fucking over. <laughs> like, I, I love this guy and I'm so excited for that match with Pac. But him and the bunny have had a few uh, few interactions here over the last few weeks. And can we get that match? Bunny versus Cassidy? <laughs> it depends. Is he going to try? I mean, if, if like if you're worried about intergender wrestling on TV, his little kicks to the shin aren't going to raise some red flags. So, you know, like we could we could do something with that. But yeah, I just really enjoyed pretty much everything from that that match tonight. Any thoughts on Butcher the Blade and the best friends? Um, really enjoyed it. Uh, the highlight, of course, was the Orange Cassidy and, and Bunny interaction. But I thought everybody looked good. I think, you know, they, they did some really cool spots. I enjoyed the butcher doing his little weird strut around the ring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like lunges. Like was... just, it gives the character a little bit more flavor. And those are the kind of things that you need to do, especially when you're not getting the opportunity to get on the mic as much. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that match quite a bit. And, um, there's, there's really not much else from this show to talk about. The last thing that we haven't really touched on at all is, well, I guess there's two things. Um, I'll, I'll start with the uh, the sit down between the Bucks and uh, Kenny and Paige with uh, with Jr. When they're kind of promoing and hyping up the uh, the tag team championship match. And I thought this segment was interesting because it was all like, "Yeah, we love and respect you guys," and then like Paige is just visibly uncomfortable and like hate the whole thing. And and uh, I thought he actually cut a really fiery short promo there about you know this is the first thing that i've gotten and and now you want to take it away from me your first chance you get and it, it makes sense as to why page feels hurt and upset at the bucks doing this because it's clear that he does regard them as his friend and that's why it hurts right it wouldn't matter if it was somebody else. It would just be, as Kenny is saying, it's a part of the business. But because they're his friends, and this is the first real championship he's held, it hurts that they want to take it away from him right away. So 
I thought this was great and really built up this map going into the paper. It escalated quickly. <laughs> like yeah, it, it went it, it went from lovey dovey to you're a jobber in Ring of Honor and we helped you get here. Like damn, Nick. Damn. This was It's the really first... true though. I don't know if yeah. you watched Ring of Honor no, I... before Hangman Page was brought into the uh the Bullet Club, but he was not in a very prominent position. And even after he was brought in, it took a while for him to elevate on the card and start to get into some of those, you know, really good matches. I used to roll my eyes when Hangman Page would come out and I was like, okay, here we go. And uh and now he's, you know, one of my favorite talents. So he's developed so much. But yeah, I thought pulling out that history, making it personal, really twisting the knife a little bit. I thought it was great. Yeah, it is the first time throughout this whole Bucks Omega page storyline where I felt myself saying like, yo, is Paige the good guy in this? Because like a lot of stuff <laughs> he said tonight really clicked. Like when he said, I tried to leave the elite because I wanted to go out on my own and you guys wouldn't let me. And here we are like, he has a point. He wanted to try and do things on his own. And they like, it's like that friend group that's just holding on a little too long, you know? And I, I I came away like, oh, and then the part that really got me was at the beginning when Paige is like, oh, so this was just a big accident when Kenny was saying, oh, it was just timing and it's the, the, the way that it happens. But like, I get what Paige is saying. It's like, no, I did this. We did this. This wasn't an accident. This is because we are the best, not the butt. Like, you, he didn't have to say that to understand where the hell he was coming from. Yeah. It's great I- character work. I do think he's still the heel in this scenario. And I think that heels tell the truth, right? Yeah. It's just the conclusion that they come to from their telling of the truth that makes them a heel, right? It's where they land. If you're a good heel anyway, heels tell the truth. So, you know, I I thought this was good work. And the fact that he's angry and he wants to take it out on them and he's not seeing this as just business, but it's personal. And him making it personal, that's what makes him the heel here. Uh, you know, and his copious drinking. So <laughs> I, I love that he used the championship belt as like a coaster. <laughs> like, like he just had his like scotch sitting on his belt. And I also really, and I just really liked my glass is empty. I'm out. Like this lasted one drink for Adam Page. And he's like, I'm bouncing. So, but yeah, really, really good segment. Um, you were just a jobber in Ring of Honor. That, man, I love that line. So, like, that's just, like, that's, like, when you're in a fight with, like, a sibling or a partner, and you you know the one thing that's going to, like, take this fight to the next level, and you you try your hardest not to say it, and and Nick, Nick went there. So, uh, yeah, just really good work. I'm really excited for that match. And I guess the last thing, let's let's talk about it. Um, we had that fatal four way women's match kind of random. I know we had some stuff with Statlander and big swole with Matt Rose last week. And we've seen Shan, Shanna, 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 Shanna. <laughs> I can never pronounce these names right. Um, and like I said, at the beginning of the, the, the show, this one was a doozy yet. Yuka, Zakazaki, big swole, Shanna and Hikaru Shida. Um, but you know, I feel like this was, mainly a, a showcase match because Rio hasn't been seen since um, uh, she lost the belt. Nyla Rose is going to have the match with Statlander, but I think it was just a way to remind everyone, oh, we have these other women on the the roster, and you could probably see one of these four women being the next storyline with Nyla Rose. And I very badly want to see Sheeta and Nyla Rose one-on-one, but... Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think felt- Sheeta was the obvious choice to win here, and I think Sheeta is the obvious choice to feud with Nyla Rose next. I'm assuming she's going to go over and retain the championship yeah. because it wouldn't make sense, especially when they hadn't built up this match between she and Statlander hardly at all for her to lose. Uh, so I think the story of that match is going to be how is she going to win, and you know what's the because you know. So much of her early career in AEW was characterized by brutality and, you know, towing the line between getting disqualified, eventually getting herself suspended and 
are we going to see that Nyla Rose or are we going to be see someone more determined to win, retain and maintain her status as champion? So that I think is where there can be some storytelling and some nuance there. I think that Hikaru Shida going over in this match was a, a really good choice and that she and Nyla can have a great feud if that's where it goes. Partially because Sheeta is so, so strong. And we've seen them do some really good spots in the ring together. They had good chemistry. And I think it was a great choice. The match yeah. itself was a good showcase. There were a lot of good spots. I thought especially um, Yuka Sakazaki is, is someone who's growing on me a lot. I really liked what I saw from her in this match. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing more. I literally, literally wrote whatever Yuka's doing. I like it because <laughs> I was just <laughs> like, "What is she doing?" And like, I liked when they were doing the three-way test of strength that she kind of just walked into the middle of it and started kicking them in the shins. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> so I really and she's over already. And once again, props to this crowd, man. This is this like this was a show that it could have just been downhill energy-wise after the Iron Man match, and they seemed engaged up until the last segment. You know, so um, it seems to be a consistent theme with these AEW crowds that they're really, really high energy. And I'm actually like, I was a little disappointed when I went to the Boston show in October. It's like, man, I didn't think the energy was that great. But then I heard from friends like it sounded good on TV, but um, just definitely been hot, hot crowds here the last few weeks. Maybe it's just build to revolution that has everyone energized. But um, yeah, a lot of great spots in this match. there's a little comedy in it too. You could splash out of the ring. I thought was really cool. There's like like torrential like submission in the corner during the commercial break. So yeah, I, I think we just got to give these women uh, a chance to, to shine, you know, and let their characters start to come out a little more. Um, because I think right. We're in a weird spot with a women's division right now. So I feel um, if you can have someone stable, like Nyla Rose at the top, who can work with all these various faces like i think usefulness position of for the division i think nyla rose is a better fit as champion than rio just because of the way the women's division is structured right now so if we can have someone stable like nyla rose at the top of the card while we develop these women on the in you know below her get them screen time let the characters show a little more i think we'll be in good shape here in the next couple months I think there's also an opportunity to let Nyla work her way into being a face. Like, yeah, you can become a face by winning enough matches and winning them in certain ways. The crowd will get behind you. And I think if they can kind of do that over time and then have that showdown between she and Britt Baker, who is, you know, the most nuclear heel in the division, I, I think that would be a very satisfying feud to have, you know, three months from now, six months from now. And I I just think it's great having Nyla on top of this division because there's so much they can do. Yeah. And definitely check out, you should definitely check out that, uh, that talk is Jericho episode because, you know, we haven't really gotten to see her personality, you know, shine through. And I came away so impressed with, with Nyla Rose, the person after listening to that podcast. So check it out. Talk is Jericho. And on that note, Joel, any random observation this week that you wanted to to bring to the table? Well, it was mentioned on air, but uh, we got our first disqualification in yes. AEW history this week in that Iron Man match when uh, when Pac hit Penny with the chair. Uh, I did find it interesting. and This is kind of what my observation is. We had our first DQ and it didn't decide a match. Yep. So we still have yet to have a match decided in AEW by disqualification. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, they've got double nothing was Memorial Day last year. So that's nine months, nine months and what, October. So about four, five months, six months of live TV every week. And we haven't had a DQ like you could probably go, you know, you, you could have a sign in WWE, uh, sorry, the other wrestling company that says days since last DQ. And you probably wouldn't need more than two digits. Like, cause it seems like it happens every, every week. So, uh, 
I, I also like that they pointed it out because it's just a subtle like, hey, we're different. This has never happened before. So, yeah, yeah. I was actually going to mention that if you didn't. So I'm I'm glad we're kind of in sync right now with uh, with our thoughts there. So but on that note, a little house cleaning. Um, so we're going to be giving you guys two more episodes this week. Joel gets to Boston on Friday, weather permitting. But after we chow down on some Jim's uh, breakfast burritos, uh, we'll be bringing you our preview show. Um, we're going to review every single match on the card. And one thing we're, we're going to try and do is we're going to keep our records. So Joel and I do this every pay-per-view. We pick the card, do some bragging rights. Uh, so we're going we're gonna, to, the records count here, Joel, just like AEW. So get ready for a lot of shit talk. And, and I think uh, I think what we should do for this, kind of let let you all in behind the curtain a little bit. We need to write down our predictions in advance, so that way we're not like picking against each other for the sake of picking against each other. We can actually see like who's better at predicting this stuff without the artifice of like, picking back and forth. So I, I think it'll yield a better result. But we'll definitely talk through all of that and talk through all of the matches for what's shaping up to be a really interesting pay-per-view yeah it's it's stacked and then we'll give you another show on sunday before joel flies back to the old north state uh we're not going to be watching revolution live because as we talked about we have a lot of alcohol to drink for my 30th birthday but we will be with you guys on sunday hangovers aplenty and we will talk everything about revolution um so yeah two episodes this week uh, th- sorry, three episodes this week. We're going to, God, <laughs> we're going to double, not double. We're going to go up by one and a half times our total episodes on Spotify <laughs> this week. Cause we have six live now. We're going to add three by the end of Sunday. So, uh, hope you can, uh, you check in with us. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. Um, you can, if you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Spotify. You can also find us on SoundCloud if you'd rather listen there at The Other Wrestling Show. We're on Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can follow Joel at The Other Joel. You can follow me at Michael underscore Aranda. Um, interact with us there. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. And you can email... E- bleh, I have to fix that. You can email us at gmail at theotherwrestlingshow at gmail.com. That seems redundant. You can email us at theotherwrestlingshow at gmail.com. Interact with us. Send us your questions or comments about the show. Uh, As we mentioned before, we're new at this, so any feedback is great. I think that's it. So remember, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Randy Orton didn't kill me. Man bought me a trip to the hospital and now I'm home. And I'm speaking and breathing and I'm recuperating. But I am alive. I am truly unkillable. How long did you think a medical facility could contain an abomination like me? Yes.